Today on Stick to Football, Connor and I are breaking it all down. We are looking at the trade deadline, looking at the hottest teams, and we're going to give you a top 10 mock draft because the draft order keeps changing week by week. Teams are on hot streaks. Some teams are on losing streaks. But, Connor, my man, we have two tailgate tour events coming up very, very soon that we're very excited about. Yeah, we are because we are leaving for London at the end of this week, which is a huge one. So that Sunday from 4 to 6 or 4 to whenever, you know how we do it on the tailgate tour, Matt. We just hang around right. as long as we want watching the games. We're going to be at O'Neill's in London. So if you're looking to hang out with us for the games, you know where to find us. Lefko is going to be with us. We're going to do a podcast sometime in that four to six window. And then when things really get rocking for all the games at six o'clock, we'll be hanging out, having a good time with everyone. And then after that, on November 9th, what can really be billed as maybe the prerequisite to the national title game in college football this year, we're going to be on the quad in Tuscaloosa for Alabama LSU. So if you are going to be there for Alabama, LSU, probably the two best teams in the country right now, besides Ohio State. They got to be in the mix, too. These teams are going to play each other. We're going to be tailgating. We're going to have food, drinks, whatever. So come find us on the quad on November 9th. Yeah, it's going to be a good time. We are all praying for Tua's ankle because we will hit back on the field for that one. Um, And good luck, Connor, because now Clemson fans are going to be in your mentions because I tweeted the other day at Clemson. (laughs) They should be number five. They should be maybe number six. Clemson fans are like, remember last year when you said that and we beat Notre Dame? Like, listen, fellas, I never picked Notre Dame to beat you. I was like the biggest Notre Dame hater last year. So calm yourselves, Clemson. You're not that good this year. All right, let's go around the league, though, because the NFL Sunday was just insane. You had the Niners winning in the mud, a 9-0 game over the Redskins. You had Jalen Ramsey's first game with the Rams, Marcus Peters' first game with the Ravens. But it's really the story of the young quarterbacks in the league right now, like either the good ones or the bad ones. The Cardinals have won three straight. Cliff Kingsbury has a better winning percentage right now in the NFL than he did in college because they are 3-3-1. Kyler, yesterday against the Giants, I feel like an uneven performance, but... He's getting the job done, and he's also, we're starting to see his threat as a runner is opening things up for Chase Edmonds. He's opening things up for what they're doing on the outside passing game. I think Kingsbury's starting to find his stride a little bit as we get to midseason. Yeah, I think so, too. I think what's interesting about this Cardinals team is obviously a huge risk on both ends. The coaching hire, the draft pick that came with it. But I think we're seeing not only the offense become a little more aggressive, which had to happen. We talked about it after a couple weeks that for Kyler, it was kind of becoming check down Charlie situation where, listen, the reason we liked him so much was his ability to extend plays and push the football down the field. And now I think we're seeing a little bit of that. But I also think finally, Matt, this defense came to life a little bit. I went back and watched, I think it was eight sacks against Daniel Jones yesterday. And some of them were clearly his fault of not seeing the rush right in his face or holding the ball a little too long. But some of them were really good pass rush attempts or really good calls on the defensive end where I know this isn't the most talented defensive unit and they have a lot of rebuilding to do these next couple of years, but they're playing hard for a, a very, uh, I don't want to say questionable coaching hire, but bold coaching hire. I think we're seeing early that Cliff Kingsbury can handle an NFL locker room, and that's a great sign for Arizona. 
Yeah, and I think the the key with Cliff, like, let's just, and I want to say that I know a lot of people think that because Cliff was at Texas Tech, like, maybe we don't like him because, you know, Melo and I are such big Texas fans. I'm rooting for Cliff Kingsbury. I I think anytime innovation can come to the NFL, we want that to succeed. I, I hope that it can be sustainable because one thing that happens with NFL coverage is we all get caught up in the moment. And it's like the big picture is like, okay, the Patriots are going to end up good. You know, like everyone's like kind of comes back to the center Always. on it. So hopefully it happens. Hopefully the Cardinals are able to stay ahead of that because I do really like where they're, where they're at offensively. The other side of that, they beat the New York Giants who are just reeling right now. The move to Daniel Jones, it was like, okay, they got a little bit of a spark, but they've lost three straight now. It's a team that is negative 55 in point differential this year. They're one in three at home. The Giants are bad. It's not just Daniel Jones' fault. The defense is is horrible. And that is, I think, alarming because they spent two first-round picks on Dexter Lawrence and DeAndre Baker. You would like to see them making a bigger impact. And also because I, I feel like this is a team where with you know James Betcher as the defensive coordinator, it's like, okay, they they really we really expected this team to be better than they are right now. Yeah, I guess. I, I don't defensively. Def- I, I, let me defensively. Defensively, yeah. for sure. I definitely did. I think Saquon didn't look 100% this weekend, too, which is very frustrating to me because I almost felt like the Giants went into this game, and I'm not saying assuming a win, but assuming it would be a little bit easier. And Arizona looked so much hungrier in this game. I think, you know, when it comes down to it, Pat Shermer is not a good decision maker. He's not. I didn't like this hire. Uh, I thought he had a really tough first round tenure as an NFL head coach. I don't think he's improved pretty much at all. You run a draw on third and 18 with three minutes left in the game. You're down three points. You put your rookie quarterback who had been on the turf the entire day playing in the rain in a fourth and 15 situation. What do you think is going to happen? It's just... It's just time and time again, bad decisions from Pat Shermer. Uh, Even if you believe in the Daniel Jones pick or not, the guy calling the shots there and Dave Gettleman does. And I think at the end of the day, if he wants this to have any chance of succeeding in the next two years, because that's all you get. When you take a guy in the top 10, you get two to three years. We're going to be going into year two very soon in the blink of an eye. The Giants have to be in this conversation for the Lincoln Rileys of the world and all of these other coaches that everybody wants. You know, exactly. And I, I know I don't want to keep like going back to what we said, because I don't know if people really care. about Sure. That. Just but looking forward. I, I will say that right when Pat Shermer was hired. Uh, We trashed that hiring because it was boring. It was uninspiring. And the New York Giants, that's a blue blood franchise. You could get at that time, you know, this is great ownership. This is a stable franchise. At the time, I thought they could have made a a much better hire. If if you fire Pat Shermer, are you really going to get Lincoln Riley to the Giants? I don't know if you are anymore. I don't think so. Like they don't feel like they have that much prestige anymore. Maybe Daniel Jones changes that. It, it just takes one person to love Daniel Jones and say, "Okay, I want to work with that guy." But right now, it doesn't look great. It was good to see Saquon back, but man, they they have a lot of holes to fill, and we're going to talk about that when we do our top ten mock draft in the next segment. Uh, the Bears, oh my God, Ooh. the Bears. Um, <laughs> here's where we'll, I'll start this. I tweeted this Sunday night, and it, it got some mixed reviews. But I would just like to officially say on the podcast, on YouTube, to everyone watching and listening, I was wrong about Mitch Trubisky. I had him as QB1 in that class. I felt like, you know, one-year starter at UNC who was accurate and athletic and smart 
It was like he's only going to get better with more reps and with NFL coaching. That has not been the case. And that is the risk when you draft on potential. Trubisky has not lived up to it. And it could cost people their jobs in Chicago. I feel like Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace should be somewhat safe. I'd like to see them let Nagy pick his own quarterback. But they don't have a first-round pick. So that's what makes this one really tough. And I know Nagy came out, I believe, Sunday and said he will not allow the media to divide his team. Matt, we're not trying to divide your team. We're trying to tell you your quarterback sucks. I, like, that's I agree, and I think the whole media comment was a really bad look because they got bigger problems than the media telling the truth about this football team right now. I, I loved his play calling last year. I don't understand it at all this year. They barely get Tariq Cohen involved. They barely get the run game going. I know they have injuries on the offensive line. Trubisky's been really, really bad. You can only ask your defense to carry you so many weeks before they burn out of being on the field or trying to score points and overcompensate so many times. And I think this transitions to our next point, Matt, because you said, listen, for this head coach and Matt Nagy, he's going to hopefully get the chance to pick his next quarterback. Was their next quarterback across the field from them on Sunday and Teddy Bridgewater? I wonder about that. Teddy's 5-0, and which uh, I'm going to pat myself on the back. He's back. Uh, Miraculously. No, no, I mean, he's 5-0, and and I feel like they've taken the training wheels off. Those first two wins, it was like, okay, Teddy, don't mess yeah, up. Yeah, it was. They won yesterday without Alvin Kamara, and they were doing it with some fun play calling. Michael Thomas is unstoppable right now at wide receiver. I don't know if Teddy will leave. I don't know if Sean Payton will want him to. Yes, he's a free agent after this year, and the Saints can't afford to give him big starter money, but they need to have a conversation with Drew Brees about how much longer do you plan to play? And We we used to talk about this with Jimmy Garoppolo. The Patriots needed to have a conversation with Tom. How long do you want to play? Because we got a guy that we like, and we either need to keep him if you're going to leave, or we need to let him go be a, be a player somewhere else and make you know 15 to 20 to $25 million a year. I feel like with Teddy, it's the same thing. Yep. If Breeze is going to come back and play, well, Teddy needs to go to Denver or Chicago or Tennessee, somewhere where he can be a starter again and make that starter money. He's making $7.5 million right now. It's not, not the worst place to be, and he's winning a lot of ball games. but I, I think old Teddy Two Gloves is going to be looking to be a starter somewhere. I wouldn't go to Chicago if I were him because he has struggled – in the elements at times, I would look at a place like Tennessee where maybe they don't want another game manager kind of quarterback, but that fits what he is better than going to a Denver or a Chicago where you're going to have to deal with the cold and the wind. This is a guy with not a very strong arm. He is a, a South or West Coast quarterback. And a couple things with Teddy. He'll be only 27 years old in free agency next year. He's still 26. Yep. He'll turn 27 in November. I think he. the reports came out that he had the opportunity to go be the starter in Miami. Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ. He was smart enough to dodge that <laughs> bullet. And there was also a lot of reports that he returned to New Orleans because there are some belief that he can be the successor for Drew Brees. I think in a perfect yep. world here, Matt, because they can get out of the contract after this year with Brees. The Saints win the Super Bowl this year and Brees retires and Teddy is the future. I think if you're a Saints fan, yep. that's the perfect world scenario. That is the absolute perfect And I hope it happens because it would be great for Teddy, great for Breeze. The Saints have a young offensive core between the offensive line, between Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, where Teddy will step right in. He's like, I've won a ton of games here already. Let's just keep this thing moving. But we're going to keep our show moving here. The Colts with a gigantic win against the Houston Texans. I was very wrong about this game. I was surprised the Texans weren't favored. I thought Deshaun Watson would put the team on his back, which he always does week after week. But you have to be 
pretty happy if you're a Colts fan with the play of Jacoby Brissett so far. Absolutely have to be. And I, I again, I tweeted this that Sunday. Chris Ballard looks like a genius because he traded for Jacoby when Luck was hurt and he kind of held down the fort. Then Luck comes back and it you know looked like it an MVP candidate through much of 2018. Then he suddenly retires and everyone's left like, oh God, what are the Colts going to do at quarterback? Let's talk about 2020 quarterback prospects. They don't need to because they really like Jacoby Brissett, which is why they gave him the extension they did before the season. And you know, it's a credit to to Jacoby. It's a credit to Frank Reich. Marlon Mack is playing out of his mind. The offensive line's playing well, and the defense is playing in- incredibly well. You know, I saw this team in person against the Kansas City Chiefs when this, uh, you know, they really like it felt like the season turned for them. They've won two straight, and, and it's really because of guys like Darius Leonard. It's because of the front seven on defense. It's because of Marlon Mack, but it's also because Brissett. A lot like Teddy Bridgewater, like he's not turning the ball over. He's not making mistakes. He's setting the table for his offense. And then when he needs to, he can go outscore some teams. So um, I I really, really like what, what they have there, especially because for the next couple of years, he's an inexpensive option. So this is a team with the most available salary cap space of anyone in the NFL. They can go be in very aggressive if they want to this offseason. Yeah, they were looking really smart right now after giving him that you know bridge kind of extension of two years where it doesn't put them in this position at the end of the year to, hey, we got to roll with Jacoby for the next four with a monster extension or not. Now they have time to evaluate him in this two-year window for mediocre money and keep this thing rolling. They got Eric Ebron involved in the offense again. And with their lack of overall weapons, I think he is somebody you live with the drops. It's annoying. That'll always be who Ebron is. But it was nice to see him get involved yesterday. So the Colts, I mean, what a story right now. Talk about disaster over summer, and they are really rolling, and you have to feel really good if you're a Colts fan about your front office and about your quarterback. One more team on the round the league here because they're just a mess from top to bottom. They really, and I'm shocked because I thought this team would win 12 football games this year. The Philadelphia Eagles, Matt, is this team in a fixable, correctable situation this year? You know, I don't think so. And I picked them to win the, the NFC Me East, too. so I'm right there with you. I, I, and actually, I had them in the Super Bowl. I had them losing, but I had them in the Super Bowl. I thought, you know, Carson Wentz with this defense, and it's just been, it's falling apart. You know, they need help at wide receiver. They need help at corner. They tried to trade for Jalen Ramsey. Adam Schefter reported they offered a first and a second. That didn't get the job done. I, I don't know that, I don't know if there's anyone out there, and we are going to talk about the trade deadline in a, a little bit here, but... I don't know if there's anyone out there you could trade for that's going to fix this team. I, I really don't. Uh, you know, we saw Justina Anderson talk last week about there's people upset with Carson Wentz. They were upset with the front office for not getting Jalen Ramsey. It almost feels like there's like they, they need to turn this thing over in the off season. That it's not so much an in season improvement you can make. You might also you might have to like draw a line and be like these are the these are Doug Peterson's guys. These are High Roseman's guys. These are Carson Wentz's guys. We're going to build with them and everybody else. We're going to have to find a way to replace because you just you can have a mutiny in the locker room, and it this feels like a team that, you know, since they beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl, has kind of struggled with some of that once Wentz came back as the starter. Yeah, there's no doubt about that, and I think even some of the effort situations, Nelson Aguilar not laying out for that deep ball last night, uh, not even ex- I could not believe not that. even extending, and you sit there and you go, this is somebody who's been highly criticized this year. I, I was mind blown by that play, and I'll say this. I think this football team, believe it or not, is an entirely different team without Deshaun Jackson. 
When he is on the field, they can push the ball vertically. They give their guys, their running backs, room in the box. He's been out with that abdomen injury for a couple weeks now, and they just look entirely, entirely different. They're a team that needs a vertical threat. I know last year they called the Jets about Robbie Anderson, but they only offered her a fourth or a third-round pick. The Jets are not doing that. And and right now, with that connection Sam Darnold and him have, I don't think Robbie Anderson will be on the trade block either. So the Eagles... And we're going to get into trade talk and how they can fix this thing, but it is a very, very critical situation right now. It can't be Monday without Mock Draft Monday. We're going to give you the top 10 teams because Connor and I are both picking for them, not the back and forth that you usually get. And uh, based on the current standings, which everyone always gets mad about these, but this is the current standings, right? If the draft were today, this is what the order would be. This is not a prediction. The Cincinnati Bengals would own the first pick in the draft, Connor, and I would have them taking Tua, even with the ankle injury, Everyone I talk to says this is QB1. It's not even really a conversation at this point. Now, he has been hurt two years in a row, which I think you do worry about a little bit. But to his touch, his accuracy, his toughness, his football IQ, he doesn't have the strongest arm in the world. But I think a lot like a Drew Brees, a lot like a Steve Young, it's what he's able to do in terms of placement and anticipation that really makes him special. Yeah, I'm with you there. I'm not changing this one up. It's Tua at number one for me. And I know a lot of people will want Joe Burrow into this conversation. I don't think he's there yet in terms of on Tua's level. Now, staying healthy will always be key for him. But that accuracy at all three levels of the field is what separates Tua Tungavailoa from the pack here. And I think for the Bengals, with Zach Taylor's system, they're going to be looking to get that quarterback in place of the future. I I think they will move on from Andy Dalton if they're picking first overall because they'll have this opportunity to land that franchise quarterback. And and right now, we've said it all year, Matt, we're not moving off of Tua at this spot. No, we're not. And at number two, the Miami Dolphins look at this situation and say, okay, what do we do here? Do you take a, a generational pass rusher and chase young? Do you, what, what do you do? And they would pick again right now at number 10. So in a lot of my mock drafts, I've had them taking chase young and saying, okay, we'll get the quarterback down the road, but here's the deal. Joe Burrow was shooting into the stratosphere like a freaking yep. rocket. I have them taking Joe Burrow at number two. And I don't think this is a reach. I have Burrow right now at number five overall on my big board. So if you have a quarterback at five, you draft him at two and you don't worry about it. Burrow is making big plays down the field. I know a lot of people are going to want to give credit to his receiver core with Justin Jefferson, with Jamar Chase. His receiving core is not better than Tua's. It's not better than Trevor Lawrence's. It's probably not better than Shea Patterson's. They're good, but they're not in an elite tier. Definitely not by themselves in any elite tier. So what Burrow is doing, In Joe Brady's offense, we're seeing him throw the ball down the field. We're seeing him make plays with his legs. He's tough. He's smart. He's got some swag to him. So I absolutely love Joe Burrow, as everyone knows. I feel comfortable giving him to the Dolphins, too. Yeah, as do I. It's crazy. I mean, he's the most improved player in college football and the most improved player in this draft sphere right now. Now, I think with Burrow... The questions are probably going to be overall arm talent, and I think it's looked really good this year, but just overall arm talent, how he is throwing compared to guys like Tua, Herbert, and Eason. And number two for me will probably be age. I think he's on the older spectrum for a quarterback prospect after being a transfer from Ohio State and now two-year starter for LSU. But if you believe in the player and you believe in the traits and you heard it last week from Jim Nagy, he's going to interview really, really well with teams own the room. Yep. You should believe that Joe Burrow can be the pick in this spot to lead this Miami Dolphins rebuild. I absolutely agree. Uh, at number three, the Washington Redskins. 
I'm going to surprise people here. And remember, mock drafts, are for me, are always based on what I hear, uh, especially as we get into this time of year, not what I would do. I would draft Chase Young so fast that the league wouldn't even realize I'd made the pick. It'd be like, oh, we're taking him. Chase Young, right? We're on the clock. But I think Washington is, they are a need-based drafting team. As long as the current front office is there, that's what they're going to do. So I believe they would take Andrew Thomas to this spot because of the Trent Williams disaster. I think they're going to try to pin a lot of this year's problems on the fact that Trent Williams is holding out. So I think they draft Andrew Thomas here. Again, not what I would do, just what I'm hearing. They really like Montez Sweat. They drafted him in the first last year. They like Ryan Kerrigan, even as he's getting a little bit older. So I look at this team, and they have Ryan Anderson as well, who was a two, uh, the second-round pick in 2017. So when you look at this team, it's like, yes, they everyone could use Chase Young, but their need at left tackle and what the current front office is doing, they could absolutely need him. And don't forget, Brandon Scherf is a free agent after this That's year. big. So they could have needs all across this offensive line. They, they could franchise Scherf. They could try to keep him, but... Now, that's a Pro Bowl level right guard that could be getting loose as well. Yeah, without a doubt. He's going to get big time money. We know that. Yep. I'm going to keep it pretty simple here and go with Chase Young. I think he's just too good to pass up. Now in Washington, uh, sometimes the obvious isn't always the answer for them. So I wouldn't be surprised if they go your route instead, Matt. But for me, Chase Young is just the best player in this draft right now. I think he's coming very close to reaching that Nick Bosa and Miles Garrett level don't have him there yet. I think he's very, very close, and I'm sure the final grades he'll be right there. He's a game wrecker. He is the definition of a game wrecker. What he can do off the edge, his IQ playing the run, and even against slip screens, we've seen him be very patient. He reads quarterbacks very well. He's got the length. He's got the strength. He pushes the pocket. He wins with elusiveness and bend. I love Chase Young, and I think Washington, you just need good football players right now. They really do. They absolutely do. And at number four overall, the Atlanta Falcons, which I cannot believe how bad this I team can is. I. With all the talent that they have. You have Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley. you got first-rounders across the board on defense, and they absolutely suck. And our, our buddy Jim Nagy tweeted Sunday, the Falcons, who benched Matt Ryan on Sunday, they called it an ankle injury, but I, I think they benched him. He tweeted, they're going to be looking at quarterbacks early in 2020. And I actually agree. And I'm giving them Justin Herbert here because it, it's going to be a new head coach. Hell, it might be a new general manager here. I love what Thomas Dimitrov has done. Uh, having Scott Pioli as his assistant for a long time was remarkable. But they're not seeing a great return on investment with many of those picks. They're shopping guys like Vic Beasley. Tech McKinley hasn't become the guy they expected him to be. They drafted two offensive linemen in the first round last year. Neither's playing at a very high level yet. So I, I look, we could see a new regime in Atlanta. I know Arthur Blank is notoriously patient and loyal, but it could be time to turn this around. Matt Ryan, you can get out of his contract after 2021 easily. So this could be a deal where you draft the quarterback, kind of an Eli Manning, Daniel Jones. Like you're drafting your quarterback of the future in a really good quarterback class. And then you're looking at like Matt Ryan's not a young guy anymore either. And what I mean, he's 34. So when that deal, when you can get out, I mean, he's at the end of his career pretty much. I, I think it's time for them to start thinking about what's coming next at quarterback. Man, I think they'd be absolutely insane if they put any of the blame on Matt Ryan. And I know that's not the case. I agree. More of yeah. the point is, Matt, for you, is that if new people come in and take over, they might view it that they want their own guy. I think this team has way bigger problems than Matt Ryan. I'm going to go with Jeff Akuda here from Ohio State. Get some help in the secondary and an elite talent in the secondary. This defense from top to bottom, whether it's the secondary, whether it's the front four, whether it's the linebackers, they've been embarrassing 
And they are worse than the Miami Dolphins defense right now. That's how bad they've been. They're poorly coached. <laughs> right. They're poorly prepared. The talent doesn't look anything like it used to. So Jeff Okuda, grab the best defensive player available on the board. I think they have so many problems that have to do with preparation and coaching. Uh, like you said at the top of this right now, Matt, they have talent. They have talent to turn this thing around. It will be with a different coaching staff, and I think that coaching staff will want a premier corner talent like Akuda. I love Jeffrey Akuda. Absolutely love him. He is without a doubt uh, a top five player in this class, and I'm going to get to him in a little bit. Your New York Jets are at number five, and this happens to you guys every damn yep, year. Here we go You're again. You're like, oh, <laughs> we pick fourth or fifth, and a player falls to us. That There's no way this player should fall to us. I have Chase Young falling here. Chase Young is my number one player. He is... He's better than the Boses. He is on par with Miles Garrett for me as a prospect. I love Chase Young. So when you see this or hear this, don't start tweeting Miller hates Chase Young. I love him. Tweet it. But weird things happen <laughs> in the NFL draft, especially with three quarterbacks going in the top four. Chase Young, should he fall? No. Could he fall? Yes. Crazier things have happened. And if he falls, the Jets have to be the happiest people in the entire world because this fills their biggest need with the best player in the class. Man, I absolutely love it. It would be the Jets' first edge rusher since John Abraham. So let's go. Go get Chase Young. I'm going to go on the offensive side of the ball since I already took Chase Young. And I feel just like you do, Matt. Jerry Judy here. How is Jerry Judy sitting here at five overall? Sam Darnold's new best friend. This would be Sam Darnold's Julio Jones kind of version here. Well, he'll be with the team for the next 10 years. Number one wide receiver. The offense funnels through him. If you go into the 2020 season with Le'Veon in the backfield, you still have Robbie as a deep threat. Hopefully you can bring him back. Crowder in the slot. And Jerry Judy as your number one wide receiver with Chris Herndon at tight end. I think that might be good enough to keep Adam Gase around for a little bit. That's how exciting that offense would be. Oh my God. I can't believe Judy is still on the board. It's like, that's the the great thing about mock drafts is like crazy things do happen. That could really happen at number six. I'm giving the New York Giants Jerry Judy. You lose OBJ, <laughs> just draft his little brother. You know, this is basically you're getting another version of OBJ. They do have needs across the board. I thought about going offensive line here. Um, and, and obviously the defense needs a lot of help. Dave Gettleman has always preferred drafting the like offensive line and defensive line and linebackers. You're going to have to change things up this year to give Daniel Jones, like you saw with Sam Darnold, give Daniel Jones his new best friend. Uh, Jerry Judy, no matter where he lands, he is scheme fluid. He can work in any scheme. Just get him out there running routes. The man, as I put in the scouting notebook Friday, I was talking to a scouting buddy and he was like, Jerry Judy's a glitch. That's what he is, man. He's not, it's not fair how good he is at the receiver position. And I'm going with the offensive line. Like you mentioned, Andrew Thomas here for the New York giants. Let's just call it like it is. Nate Solder was an, was a horrific free agent addition. Yes. He was an upgrade from Eric flowers, but you gave him a four-year mega contract with guarantees into about 75% of the deal. He's not getting it done. He's not very good. Andrew Thomas is very good. The Giants need offensive line help for Daniel Jones to make this offense work. And Andrew Thomas is kind of an ass kicker in the run game where you can get Saquon on the outside and give him some space to work with. So looking at this board for these two New York teams, the Jets and the Giants at five and six, they are in a can't-lose situation at those spots of the draft. 
Yeah, it's you're really in a great spot in this class because the quarterback rise is going to happen. Uh, at number seven, we have the LA, LA Chargers. My goodness, on the board. Another team that I think has to look at quarterback of the future. Phillip Rivers, another guy getting older. They have struggled this year. This is a team that you don't expect to be in the top ten very often. So I think when you are, you have to think about drafting ahead. I love Rivers, and I know we've said before, there have been reports that he is not the kind of guy that wants to mentor yes. a young quarterback. He might not have a choice. He and his nine children might just have to watch the Chargers draft someone. I'm going Jordan Love here. Someone that hasn't maybe been talked about as much in the last two weeks, but there has been buzz in the scouting community, and of course it's early, but there's been buzz that he is a better quarterback prospect than Tua and a better quarterback prospect than Joe Burrow. I disagree with that, but I think you have to give some credibility to those comments and that there could be teams that prefer Jordan Love's skill set He's got a big arm. He can run around and make plays. I don't know if I've said this on the podcast or not. Watching him play reminds me of Kaepernick at Nevada. Like, let's not kneeling Kaepernick, but like Kaepernick with Jim Harbaugh or when he was in college with Chris Alt. Like, his ability to move around and make plays, his arm strength, maybe not quite to Cap's level, but nevertheless, a very, very strong arm. So I think Jordan Love has a great chance to put himself in the top 10. I feel like we do this every year with the Chargers where we were doing it in the Deshaun Watson year. They should have listened. And they should have. They should have done this a couple of times. <laughs> and I love Phillip Rivers. And I still think Phillip Rivers is good. But like you said, Matt, at some point you got to start thinking quarterback. But they just refuse to do it. And for that reason, I went with Derek Brown here from Auburn. When he returned for his senior year, I kind of raised my eyebrow to it and was like, man, I don't think he needs to do that. I think he'd be a first-round pick without going back to school. He has gone back to school and had the Josh Allen effect where it's like, okay, this guy's a first round, a fringe first round defensive lineman. Now he looks like a top 10 player. I mean, he looks phenomenal. Yeah. And I think he'll go to the Senior Bowl being in Mobile, Alabama and just kick the shit out of everyone. <laughs> I love Derek Brown. The Chargers keep getting tougher on defense. I hate that everyone that goes there seems to get hurt. It's just awful, awful luck. But if you're looking for a pure talent in this spot, Derek Brown would be a really nice pick for them. I wish we could draft a team doctor for the Chargers, uh, but we cannot. At number eight, the Denver Broncos. I'm not giving them a quarterback because I do think that they believe in Drew Locke. Now, if John Elway gets fired, all bets are off, and this could be a, a free agent destination. Who knows? Cam Newton might be here next year. I mean, there's a lot of different directions they could go. I'm going to go corner. Chris Harris Jr. is going to be out after this yeah. year. So I'm replacing him with our guy Jeff Okuda, who we talked about a little bit earlier in the show. He is a top-five player for me. I've met number four overall. He's one of the best corners that I've evaluated in a long time. I like him better than I liked Marshawn Lattimore or Denzel Ward, and Denzel Ward was the number four pick in a pretty good draft class. I think with Akuda, 6'1", 200 pounds, I've compared him to Jalen Ramsey. I do believe that you're getting that type of fire, that type of physicality at the corner position, and, and a guy who can travel. He can play either side. He's very, very good at man coverage. Akuda is a no-brainer for the Broncos if he's available. I love that addition there, if he is available on that board. Uh, just in case John Elway is not running this team, which almost seems like the impossible at this point. But if he's not, I think a new regime would come in and say, listen, you took Drew Locke in the second round. We'll let him fight it in camp. But we're only going to be picking in this top 10 so many times. And Justin Herbert's on the board. Me and you are very honest about this. Justin Herbert scares the hell out of us. No matter what his coach says to defend him, even in a win against Washington where that final no call at the end of the game might have saved Oregon. Honestly, it looked like pass interference to me. Herbert just looks kind of broken down in big pressure moments. But talent sells teams, and Herbert has a lot of talent. He's mobile. He has a big arm. 
The splash plays are as good as it gets. And I think for that reason, he's going to end up going in the top 10 of this draft. Yeah, I that's all it takes. I mean, someone's going to fall in love with Herbert. I absolutely, absolutely believe that. The Cleveland Browns at number nine. We actually agree yep. on this pick. They haven't haven't had one of those in a little bit here, but we agree they need offensive line help. Tristan Wirfs, the right tackle at Iowa, makes a ton of sense for them. I, I know a lot of people think he can play on the left side in the NFL without any problems. They need help at both sides, so it really doesn't matter where you want him to play. He's going to be a great fit for them. Uh, and then at number 10, the Miami Dolphins, they, they have this pick because of the trade for Minka Fitzpatrick. The Steelers, uh, we'll see if they, they continue to win, and this pick goes uh, down into the teens more. But I have them going receiver. C.D. Lamb here. I, I love Henry Luggs, Henry Ruggs, excuse me, and I love C.D. Lamb. It's tough to separate those two, even though they're completely different players. But I went with Lamb. I think he's just a little better fit for what at least what I've heard that like Chris Greer and those guys value in a receiver. He is incredibly tough. He's physical over the middle. He's aggressive after the catch. Ruggs has 4-2 speed, and you can't coach that. You can't discount that. I think Lamb is just a better fit for this particular team. These are guys, I have them ranked 11 and 12 overall. and they're, they're You're splitting hairs with these you two. You really are. And for me with CD... I still have him in the conversation for the number one overall wide receiver in this class, but I'm going to take a little different route here for the Dolphins and give them Henry Ruggs because of what you said, Matt, the speed element, the 4-2 speed. They took Joe Burrow at number two from both of us in this mock draft. Now they get a vertical threat in Henry Ruggs. If you want to see that speed on display again, watch the interception chase down from Henry Ruggs. It's like a cheetah. Going across, oh the, like a blur across the screen. But Ruggs is a great wide receiver. You can't go wrong with either of these guys for whoever young quarterback they select at the top of this draft. It is draft on draft time, y'all. And we've got four great questions today. I'm trying to spread it around. So keep sending those questions. If you hashtag draft on draft, I'm going to see it in tweet deck or Connor's going to see it. Mello's going to see it. And we want to get some new names on the show. So keep sending your questions. Even if you've sent some in the past and we haven't answered it, Keep it going because we're going to need you, especially uh, when the summer gets That's here. Right. So <laughs> keep getting involved. First question from King Herms 04. All right. So I'm curious, guys, what are your thoughts on Teddy after this stretch? Is he the future of New Orleans and a true franchise quarterback? I know we talked about this a little bit earlier, but I, I just want to reiterate again. I think he could be the future on a team that is built with a good run game a, a, and a strong defense. Teddy is not going to be the answer for a team that wants to air it out and throw it 40 times a game, and they need to score 50 points. But he can be the answer with a great offensive line in New Orleans, with Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas, and with a good defense. But it, it does come down to salary. It comes down to what Drew Brees wants to do. Teddy's a free agent. And kind of like we said earlier, I could see him end up in Tennessee if Mike Vrabel says, listen, we're not going to draft a quarterback. We're going to be picking in the teens or maybe the 20s. We're not drafting a quarterback. We're probably not going to pay a guy that has failed somewhere else. I could see them going after Teddy, who's just going to be like, he's just going to be solid. He's not going to turn the ball over. And if you're a defensive minded head coach, that might be good enough. Without a doubt. I think Teddy's future next year is as a starter. Now, true franchise quarterback is tough to say because there'll always be the injury scare with Teddy going forward. Now, like I said, off the top, he's going to be 27 as a free agent. That's great. Very young for a quarterback. Very young. I think in terms of money, you look at that Jacoby Brissett cap number for next year, it's at $21.5 million. I think Teddy will see a cap number right around there, Matt. I don't think he's going to be in that Dak Prescott future kind of range or even that $30 million kind of number per year. And that might be... That might make him more valuable, where more teams are asking for his services because they're saying, hey, we could save 10, 15 million per year on the cap. 
with the guy we believe we can win a lot of games with that quarterback and we can allocate that money to a receiver, an offensive lineman, a pass rusher. Right. It makes a big difference. And that's why I think a lot of teams will believe in Teddy after this season. And it's really exciting. Now, as you know, King Herm said here, is he the future in NOLA is the question that everyone wants to see. As another thing we said earlier in the show, if they win a Super Bowl this year with Drew Brees, I wouldn't be shocked to see Drew be like, hey, and I'm done. This is Teddy's team now. Yep. Maybe not, but he's he's going to be 41 years old next year. Not everyone's Tom Brady. And Brees is somebody that now is seeing injuries where, again, unfortunately, he had such a long stretch of not being hurt after a tough start to his career where I think if it was up to Teddy, he would stay in New Orleans. I think so. I think he really likes Sean Payton. And I was actually looking because I don't know. Have we seen when Breeze is coming back? I heard like maybe now next you have no week reason to rush him or after anymore. the bye. I guess yeah, it could be week ten because that's after the bye. Um, that's probably when he comes back. But you're right. If if Teddy steers the ship, hell, if they go undefeated with Teddy and then Breeze comes in and they win a Super Bowl, I I could see him riding off into the sunset and calling it calling it quits. And then Teddy stays and and we we kind of wait to see what happens there. All right, Kevin Williams, if you had to start a new franchise and had to build it around a running back in the NFL right now, who would you pick? It's Christian McCaffrey for me, and there's really not a debate anymore. Like I love Saquon, but I would take McCaffrey. I, I just would. I, I think what he brings to the table as a receiver, a runner, it, those two, like it's 1A, 1B for me. I would be fine with either one. But I, watching McCaffrey play is one of my favorite things in the world. I actually think he's the best receiver on their team, as well as one of the best running backs in the NFL I'm right with now. you. I think it's McCaffrey, and then I would actually have Kamara as the second guy on this list with Saquon being third. And I'll tell you who does not, and it's ridiculous to say this after the kind of win they had. I don't think Zeke looks the same right now. He doesn't look like those guys where he's making guys miss all the time or he's being a difference maker on all three downs. So it's interesting how the running back pack has really separated itself where it's run CMC at the top. I think Kamara's right there kind of with him and Saquon's in that conversation as well, of course, when he's healthy. Uh, These guys are the cream of the crop in the NFL right now. Yeah, I mean, you can't go wrong. With Kamara, it's like he's just hurt right now. That's the yep. only thing. Um, but, but God, he's amazing. All right, Patrick Chamberlain asked, I know he's a sophomore, but what are your thoughts on K.J. Hamler? He's tiny, but he's such a playmaker. Curious if you have a comp for him and how you think the NFL will view him given his size limitations. I'll say this, man. Marquise Brown was a first-round exactly. pick. And John Ross was a first-round pick. And... I don't know that size matters <laughs> as much as it did, like, you know, as much as we all have been told that it does. I really don't know if it does because, like you said with KJ, like, he's so explosive. He's 5'9, 176. That's what I was looking list him at. I wanted to see the listed. Like, I mean, yeah, he's listed at 5'9, 176, which, I mean, tells me he could probably play at that. I mean, Marquise Brown is 5'9. I think he was in, like, he, the one he was When Marquise Brown got to Oklahoma, I believe he was 140. Oh but and then when I'm pretty sure he I, yeah. was at 160 going into his final year there. And I think Hamler is probably more like 170, 165. Yeah, I think that that's the comp is Marquise Brown. And Marquise weighed 166 at the combine. So, and he was a first round pick. So, I think Hamler I will see what, you know, where his career goes and and I because he's a sophomore, I've not done a deep dive on injuries, you know, but Marquis had a foot injury yep. still in first round. You know, so shit. Maybe it maybe it actually You know what matter. I've gotten better at, Matt, and this is something I completely ignored probably the first 3 years of doing the draft is evaluating not guys play size, but how they protect themselves on the field. 
almost. Like Yes, that's huge. Kyler, Kyler Murray is the perfect example. Did not care how small yeah. he was in terms of injury concerns because Kyler Murray will he rarely take he always goes out of bounds. Or slide. Something I talked about with him all the time. He has such a small strike yes. zone. He's hard to hit. And so, I mean, with Hamler, it, it could be very similar. I know and, and Lamar's gotten him, better you know? at that. Where Lamar doesn't take yes. the big hits. He'll take contact to get in the end zone. But Lamar doesn't line himself up at times. Uh, like, you know, some of these guys just refuse to go. Down. We've seen Wentz do that. Now he got hurt, so he doesn't really do it. Trevor Lawrence needs to Trevor do a Lawrence. much better Josh job. Josh Allen not does that him. a lot. Josh Allen will take big oh, hits God. all the time. And I know Josh is like 260, so he like he thinks yeah, it's well, okay. Yeah, well, Cam Newton said the same thing okay. for a long time. So, right. yeah, it's I, a, it's a fascinating part of scouting. How do you protect your body? It, yeah, it, and really, like to take that a step further, not everyone who weighs 170 looks the same. No, you know, I I can remember when, even when Winston Golf they weighed the same. I stood next to them side by side. They are not built the same, yeah, at all. So like you have to like. Throw you know throw away the the numbers when you look at that. Sometimes look at body comp. All right, last question from our guy Garth: Is this quarterback class a chance of being the most loaded draft class? And how many starters do you believe will eventually come from it? I I don't know that it's going to be like the best that we've ever seen, but we could see six go in the first round. Which you know the the Lamar Jackson that class we saw five go in the first, yeah. and there was some talk maybe about Mason Rudolph, but you know this year. Two is going to go in the first round. Joe Burrow is going to go in the first round. Justin Herbert's going to go in the first round. I think Jacob Eason has a very good chance yep. to go in the first round, especially after how well he played against Oregon. Jordan Love's going to go in the first round. Jalen Hurts might go in the first round. I mean, there's a lot, a lot of dudes out there. Jake Fromm. I don't know if Jake Fromm comes out. I know a lot of people get upset because I don't mention him all the time. I don't know if he's going to come out. So if he comes out, yeah, I think there's a, a decent chance he goes first I'll round. say this, and maybe – this opinion will drastically change after going through all the coaches film in December, January. I don't love this quarterback class. Like everyone else does. I think it's good. I don't think it's, I don't love it. I don't see like Mahomes and Watson and you know what I mean? And I was way too low on Mahomes, but the overall, I, I don't know, man. I like Tua a lot and I like what Burrow's done for his stock, but you can pick apart Herbert Eason love you could pick apart their game. Pick it apart. Yep. And something that something that we do with Draft 400, and, and we've already like started working on that, and I, one question that Melo and I, like you said, one thing I think we've gotten better at, the first question we ask each other on a player is, what's he great at? And with the quarterbacks, there's not a lot of answers on that question. Like, what is he great at? What's his great yeah. trait? Um, for two, for two it's accuracy right. to all three levels of yep. the field. Yeah. Which is... And touch. And touch. Which is like pretty much yeah. like point A that you want to see most of the time. That's right. why we just sit there and go two number one. Two number one. Exactly. And and with Burrow, like I think we're getting, getting there. there. Like I love the way he throws the yep. deep ball. And with him, it's gonna be character. People are gonna love it. But people love Mitch Trubisky's character, and now he, he might get people fired in Chicago. And, so you gotta have a great trait to play. And something we're gonna that's, do that's on Wednesday uh, as a segment, just to kind of give a teaser here. We're gonna pair quarterbacks with teams. To show you just how they fit scheme-wise, draft value-wise. Because all these guys have a chance to be great. You see that. But where should they land is something we really want to talk about uh, in depth on Wednesday.
Yep, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a good week of shows. Connor and I will be back Wednesday. Connor Mello and I will be back Friday, and then we are over to London for our event. Don't forget, we'll be there Sunday from 4 to 6 at O'Neill's Pub. Our guy Lefko is going to be there. It's going to be a great time. Come watch some NFL games with us. We'll have koozies and stickers and things to hand out, so you don't want to miss it. And as always, make sure you are subscribing wherever you get your podcasts, and then also on Bleacher Report's YouTube channel. Just look for the Stick to Football playlist. 